Blog Talk Radio. Well, good morning and welcome to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. Um, we're trying it again, take two. Uh, this is your host, Felicia DeRosier, my co-host. Cross and Pongo. Cross, Pongo's here. We're going to keep it brief this morning because, uh, yeah, we did just have a mop-up, and we are expecting a guest. He's coming in at 9.30, so um, expect that we're going to get started talking about our Bible study, but uh, we will have our, our guests come in and do their testimony while they're available. So let's cut to commercial real quick so we can get those obligations taken care of. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light, and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Hey, everyone. Proof here again. I want to let you know that you want to protect yourself against this upcoming food shortage that's about to happen. I know with all this COVID stuff that... Growing your own food is going to be extremely important right now. So I want to introduce you to my friends over at groundwithagarden.com, and you can get yourself hooked up with a vertical garden that you can grow inside or outside of your house. So if you have a back patio or you don't have room outside, you can grow in either way. And I have a bunch of stuff growing on mine. I have pictures to share. I love this thing. This is the best garden and most successful that I've ever had for gardening for my own self. So let me give you the website again, groundwithagarden.com. That's groundwithagarden.com. Did you know that every time you swipe your debit card... Those behind-the-scenes transaction fees make the big banks even richer. In 2016 alone, these fees added up to $60 billion. Yes, that's billion with a B. Well, what if there was a way to have the convenience of a debit card, but reroute those fees from the banksters to organizations actually doing good in the world? Organizations that protect the environment or feed hungry children? 
what if your swipes could literally change the world? Well, Groundswell SPC has found a way to do just that. We've designed a Visa debit card program that shares transaction fees with your favorite cause. Groundswell partners with nonprofit organizations that promote the card to their supporters. Their supporters then use the card to power the mission of the nonprofit. It's a win-win-win for everyone, except the big banks, of course. Groundswell is about to launch its first cards into market, and we're inviting you to be part of this movement as an investor in the company. Go to WeFunder.com backslash Groundswell card to learn more. Set up a free WeFunder account and invest in Groundswell today and get your money on mission. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies, take two. Uh, we, we went on air, and as it happens every once in a while, uh, there's a mistake made by, by yours truly. Uh, and <laughs> and time, it was the time it, frame. It was the time frame on and there. And three hours long set for three minutes. Oh, oh, no, I think it was 15. But, but oh. to the point, we, we needed to start over again. So um, our expectation is we're going to pray, probably read a little bit of scripture. and. Discuss just a little bit, and then um, our special guest will be joining us. He has a time frame that he has to stay within, and so we're going to take his testimony immediately as soon as he can join us, and then we'll hop back into the Bible study as we can. Okay, so I'll try to to guide us through that, but do you want to pray us in real quick? Sure, pass off. Clearly, we need to be covered in prayer. I guess I need all the help I can get. (laughs) Lord God, thank you for this day. Thank you for everything you did for us. Thank you that our uh, guest is going to come give his testimony. Uh, we hope the show goes well today and there are no other mistakes made. Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I mean, mistakes happen, right? We're only human. So Thank you for our <laughs> amazing dog puppers. Our, our little puppers is joining us today. He's being good. So, so let's talk about Romans chapter 13. The irony is not lost on, on me that we are on a um, liberal, libertarian bent political station doing a Bible study, and we're about to talk about um, two of the most inflammatory things that you can talk about, and that is um, religion and politics. Let's, let's do this. Let's blend them together. Yes, let's have a real let's fun time. about them both. Let's, let's do that. So we're going to start with um, reading out our scripture. Um, Romans chapter 13, if you're following along, we're going to go ahead and read the scripture now, and we'll talk about it just a little bit um, until our guest arrives. He's actually coming out of one meeting into our call, so uh, we're not exactly sure exactly when he'll be here. So um, chapter 13, starting at verse 1, let every person be subject to the government governing authorities, for there is no authority except for God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid. He does not bear the sword in vain. He is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjugation, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For, because of this, you, pay, you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. Pay, all to what, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue 
revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, and honor to whom honor is owed. So um, we're going to chat about this just a little bit. Um, there's no better way to have a controversial show than to go on a political talk station and talk about how um, God, you know, requires us to obey governing, governing authority. No right? better way. No better way. Um, so uh, we, we um, are going to look at this in context, though, um, because uh, we're talking about a uh, letter to Rome, right? And, and we were talking a little bit about how there are different kinds of scriptures uh, in the Bible. And some are scriptures that we would consider timeless truth. And other, uh, other scriptures are things that we would consider what, um, we need context what, what we need some context for. And um, this is actually a really good verse to discuss why that is a thing. Um, because a lot of people will say, you know, of course I believe that the Bible is inerrant um, in its original translation. Um, and, and therefore, and this is in there, okay? This is absolutely in those original translations. Um, so that's certainly not an argument at all. Um, but uh, what I will say is that um, things shift rather dramatically for this particular church that this particular letter is written to in about four to six years. And because of that shift, I, I believe that if um, Paul had written this same letter six to eight years later, his advice would be a little different to this church, okay? Yeah. Um, why is that? Well, because uh, this letter is being written to the church in Rome, and um, Rome, the Roman Empire was big, expansive, and very authoritarian. Um, there were Christians running, uh, both Gentile and Jewish Christians, living life underneath the rule of the Roman Empire. There were also um, Jewish people who were still pursuing um, your traditional Jewish faith, living under this rule. And um, it, it, was, it was a tough place to live because uh, the Roman Empire is entrenched in Hellenistic philosophy, uh, which is uh, what we would call secular humanism now, okay, which is all about chasing pleasure as opposed to um, honoring the, the Lord and chasing truth. Yes. So the, their, their philosophy is that the greatest, um, the, the greatest pinnacle of um, joy and, and purpose you can face here on earth is to bring yourself personal pleasure. Um, on top of that, it was highly idolatrous. Um, idolatry was practiced everywhere. So um, they were fairly free to practice their faith, but pressure is starting to turn to them as Nero is in control of Rome at the time. And Nero, we know, is the great persecutor of the church. Um, he doesn't start out that way, but uh, pressure begins right. to mount. His baby probably wasn't the great persecutor of the church. Well, even, even in his early time as emperor, um, he doesn't start out persecuting Christians. Um, he actually does some really good things, but Public, uh, pu public opinion of Christians is starting to turn at this point. This is why Paul is uh, trying to explain to them that they should live at peace with their government to the best of their ability because we can see the tide starting to turn. Um, and the, the great persecution of the Christian church will erupt within four to six years of the writing of this letter based on um, how, we're t how we're dating Paul's letter. So it's close, it is near, um, 
and the pressure is building. So it's a fairly unfriendly climate to the Christian at this point, okay? Um, so that is kind of the situation that we're dealing with here. Um, and he is really trying to instruct this church to be able to um, manage and maintain in the current situation that they're in, all right? Now, I'm going to say that the current situation that we're in in the United States is going to be very similar. Um, we do live in a predominantly secular humanist type of a society. Um, there, there is a lot of chasing pleasure, right? I there is Las Vegas, you know. Well, that's true, but I do believe that, like, you know, if we, if we look at, like, um, pop culture and Hollywood and music, I think we're going to see it reflected there, okay? Um, and so there's a lot of idolatry, I, but I would call it out in America as, you know, obviously greed, but also um, self-worship. Can we, can we say self-worship? Uh, I put my priorities first, what I want to do. Um, and so there's a lot of similarities, I would say, that, um, the United States is, is what I would say is, is um, an increasingly difficult place to become a Christian and to stay a Christian. So, um, so I think we're going to find some similarities to the situation of the, of the Roman church at that time with our situation here. Now, um, I'm actually going to pull on our guest right now, and we're going to welcome him. Hopefully we've got the audio all working. would like for you to help me welcome city councilman from Sparks, Christopher Dare. Hi there. How are you? Hey. Uh, hello. How's it going? It's going good. Well, I mean, it's going kind of good. We had a, a, a mix-up on our first show, so our, our technical difficulties have put hey, us take two. off time. This is take two, but we're going to let you have your time while you're here. Um, and I, every time I talk to you um, online or live somewhere, I'm going to apologize first. I might slip. And call and call this amazing gentleman, Pastor Chris, because he he was my pastor for uh, I don't know what twelve years or something like that. Um, a little bit and, of time, and for that, sure. A long, yeah, a long a long time. But you know how like um, we have everybody has like a person who's their pastor. Pastor Chris was my pastor, like during some of the the, the most fundamental times of my growth. And so, uh, you're, I'm sorry, you'll always be Pastor Chris to me, but um, city councilman, I think, is probably um, the current title we'll try to, we'll try to give you, okay? <laughs> um, uh, I'm open to whatever. I'm, it's all good with me, so. All right, all right. So um, we, we welcome you here. We know we, you have a busy day, so I will actually kind of roll back here and just say thank you so much for coming um, we'd love for you to share a little bit about your testimony and what God's been doing in your life. You've had some crazy, crazy times lately. Um, but again, we're, we're kind of talking about Romans 13 and I thought you'd be the perfect guest to, to have on here because I know that um, God called you into ministry and then he called you into another area of service. And so, um, and, and so you've really found that balance between honoring God and then also honoring governing authorities. And uh, in your position, I would say that you even need this understanding more than we do. So um, I'll just let you have the floor, and please let us know, like, how God's worked in your life and, and what he has on your heart today. Very good. So I'll, I'll kind of set this up in one, just kind of from 
a little bit beginning. So Felicia and I, we, I, I grew up at the church that I got to pastor at there down here in Vegas. I happen to be in Vegas right now for city meetings. So I'm in meetings right now with all the city councilmen from around the whole state. Sit down and uh, a great example of how ministry and politics all works together is whoever the chaplain was supposed to to open up everything didn't show up. So they come and tap me on the shoulder and say, Pastor Christopher, would you open us up for prayer? And so uh, it's a great example of just being you wherever you go. But I, but personally, I was called into ministry, I believe, when I was probably like eight, eight years old and grew up just knowing that's what God had in my heart to do. And I started actually pastoring when I was 20. So for 30 years now, uh, I've been in ministry of some sort. Now, I say that um, I believe strongly that the politics I'm in is just like a very large mission field. Um, one of the things that Felicia knows is that I've I've served and taken people all over the world on missions. That's one of my things I did as a pastor. And I uh, said, so you go in, you learn a new language, you need to learn their culture, you've got to uh, find ways to share the gospel and who you are in a diverse society that does not think like you. I hope you're getting my connection here with politics because it right. is all the same. There's a, there's language, there's a different thought process. And, um, and many times it's, baffling to sit and watch and go, How? why do they do this? It seems so either unethical or immoral or dishonest, and sometimes it is. Uh, but a lot of times it's important to go in just like you would on a mission field and, and learn and watch, but never change the core of who you are. Um, personally, recently I did go through some health issues, uh, and, and here, here's where it also mixes, and it's been pretty awesome. Uh, it sounds crazy to say that I had, had a brain tumor, and it was awesome. But what has happened is not only do those I've pastored for years got to watch what does Christopher or do when we go through hard times is we find joy and we trust God and we walk in the healing that he has. But you know who else got to watch that is all of my friends who are in politics. They got to see, you know, not just me when I'm healthy, but what does it look like when I'm not? And I think that ministry continues to grow. And, and truthfully, in my region up north, I help oversee. I'm the chair of water, chair of the health board. I mean, I lead a lot of things, and people like that I'm there bringing the ethics and morals and standards that I walk in. So that's kind of a little recap for you. I know there might be some questions. I know you bring up Romans and the idea of us submitting and walking. Um, really, scripturally speaking at large, I believe we submit to God first and all that we do. So when I have no problem submitting under other things as long as I get to do that first because that is our real calling. And so the submission idea really has to do with it would tie into Colossians who tells us to, everything we do is a worship unto God. Uh and just what our lives are about is really about submitting to the Lord and what He has for us. Right, right. And and that's definitely the direction we're going to be going because um, obviously the church in Rome, is it, it's kind of a similar situation that Paul's writing into. We, we just kind of made that point um, as the situation that we have here, that the environment is not entirely friendly to Christians. Um, but I wouldn't say that Americans are facing the same sort of broad persecution that's happening in other parts of the world. And, um, you know, and so we want to submit first to God 
um, and, and then uh, to live as peaceably with government as possible. So um, I, I think that it's great well, I, that – go ahead. I say I, One of the things you just said, though, I think is really important, and it comes back to any a form of, of lifestyle – is that you're right. We are not facing the persecution that is happening around the world. As a matter of fact, I, I just heard just this week uh, of a young lady who graduated from school. I want to say this. Uh, I'm trying to think of the country she was in. It was one of the eastern uh, over in Asia. And she stood up for Christ and said, thank the Lord for graduation. And she was killed. And it's an 18-year-old young lady who... So, so we we are not facing that, but uh, and I think it's important we recognize that because I, I have people walk around and think someone looked at them cross-eyed and they think they're getting persecuted, but but it really has to right. do with the the foundation of how we live. If we don't practice now in these times, if persecution ever did hit the United States in those fashions, our Christianity and the church would fall apart because all of a sudden, really the consistency of serving God wouldn't be there. And so even in times where we, we really do have uh, uh, get to walk this out very differently than most people around the world, it's still is important that we try to keep our heart and our mind really focused. Right. I, I think of uh, Daniel when he is first brought into exile, which has got to be a really bad situation. Um, you're, you're You're being, you know, basically kidnapped from your own country, brought into another country to serve the king. And the one thing that he does is he requests to be able to stay on a diet that honors God. So he's honoring God in the small things, and, and certainly we can see in his life that God honors him in the larger things later. So, um, so how does being a Christian affect how you walk out your public life? Um, obviously, we, you face a lot of people who are going to think that some of the things that you are standing up for um, are, shall we, shall we say, uh, graciously unimportant, right? Or, or sometimes just, just you know, down, downright shouldn't even be at this point. How, how, do you, how do you work with That's a great question, but part of it comes with relationship. So at this mm-hmm. point, most people are not surprised by my decisions at all because they know who I am. Matter of fact, they know me and I speak out and I talk and I have a relationship with them. They ask me questions about why I believe what I believe. And they, it's, a, it's a safe environment for that conversation because it's a safe environment for that conversation. Typically we go into meetings and if I didn't vote how I did, they'd actually be more shocked than how I, how I vote. And, and that sounds interesting. Right. I, and I know, I know that in the world we live in, um, it, it seems that, you know, the news and everyone would show everyone just fighting. And believe me, there are people who are doing that. However, that's not the majority of us. And and as Christians, one of the challenges I would have for any of us is if we're not careful because of what's going on, we pull our lives back. Nobody gets to know who we are. And then they are shocked right. when we make decisions because they don't know who we are. And so the way I handle it is I live a life that's pretty consistent so I'm, whether I'm with them hanging out at a at a, a city council meeting making decisions or at legislation or at a family gathering, I, I'm the same exact person uh, in the sense of my morals and standards. I'm honest, I you know, and so 
when somebody brings in something into the room that's dishonest, they know I'm going to stand up and say, I, I don't care who gets mad. That's not true. I'm not, I'm not going for that. And I've lost elections for it. And I've lost, you know, well, I don't know if I've lost friends, but people who called themselves friends, people, people do get angry at times, but the people who really know me, not a, a, they all say, well, what do you think Christopher was going to do? You know what he's going to do. He's not going to lie about that. He's not going to join your your banter. He's not, you know. And so, so I think living for the Lord is cons- the more consistent we can be. And, and really, it's really a submission to the Lord on a regular basis. Now, we do have, you know, things falling apart. Like, I mean, we can bring up some of the things of family choice, you know, some of the choices we get to have that are being seen taking from us in legislation and, you know. I, I get these are very difficult, and we need to be present and accounted for. Um, but on the same note, if they know who we are walking into those meetings, they won't be surprised when I say, no, I'm not going to stand for that. Right, right. And, and and I think that that's a wonderful point to make. So how do you recommend being, being a person who's really leading the way in this um, – how do you recommend for a normal Christian who's not in a position of authority? Um, obviously, you, you said something about this whole relationship component. What do you feel like God expects from us day to day? Like, we're we're not supposed to, are we supposed to be shrinking back and withholding our opinions? Are we supposed to be sharing them lovingly? Like, how does that work for someone who's not in a position of power? Well, when it, when the, the the easiest answer really comes down to is is it starts with you submitting to the Lord. And I, it sounds like I know that that's cliche, almost not careful, but it actually is practical. Of there are times that I know I'm right and I want to speak out, but I don't feel a peace about doing it, and I just shut up. And there are other times that I feel like the Lord says, "Speak up, my son," and I and I speak loudly. And so it just depends on those moments. However. For any of us, I take away every title we have, take away anything that we think of authority, we think we carry over anybody. What if we just walked in and truly valued the people around us? What if we showed kindness? What if we actually uh, didn't just shut our garage and actually met our neighbor? What if even if they don't think like you, act like you, smell like you, and you brought them dinner just because they're your neighbor and you wanted to? I mean, they they probably freak out actually at first. They wouldn't know what to do with your kindness. If the church just was kind, and if you think how Jesus walked this earth, it's actually part of what made the church angry at the time, because they didn't like that he was hanging out with tax collectors, IRS agents, prostitutes, sinners, and then they would invite him back. So it's important you know that. He didn't just go into places that were difficult, like with a track, and then leave and go back home. They actually invited him back. They liked him being around. He had good news, and they liked to hear his news. And so when we live right. a life that actually uh, values people, you can say Jesus said hard things to people all the time, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I think we can do that too. I, I get to say really hard things to people. I, I mean, I do at this point, I mean, I do, I actually, and this is funny, you'll laugh at this, but I actually teach more that I don't have a church now than I ever have taught. I probably do more funerals <laughs> now and more weddings than I've done. And it's because I get to serve a whole group of people who who don't have somebody like that and they come and I'm, I'm very, you know, they'll ask me, you know, in private a lot of times things. And then they say, well, you know, you're asking me, I'm going to give you my perspective. And they're like, yeah, that's why I'm asking. 
And I'll tell them. And they, some of them, you say, well, I don't agree with that. I say, well, then you're asking the wrong guy. This is, <laughs> it's not personal. You can go do what you're going to do. I, I'm not going to – and I know you bring it back to Scripture. That this is, you know, because I God's not about a bunch of do's and don'ts. He's about a safe place. He creates a safe place where we can show people, because showing love, it's an interesting. I, I, everyone, I, I love the word. I mean, the word love is a great word, but we we use it so wrongly sometimes. We think love is is always telling people what they want to hear. Some people think that, or some people think love is the opposite. But really, love is being a Godly love, and what our job is to be an ambassador of Him. It's a Second Corinthians says would make He makes an appeal through us to this world, and it's His appeal, not mine. So if somebody doesn't want to listen to God's appeal, then that's not personal. I'm not mad at them. It's between them and Him. I'm just going to continue. But it also is His appeal, not mine. So even if I don't like somebody or like how they acted, Jesus has never asked me that. He didn't say, "Well, do you think I should have died for that person?" Do you think I should love that? He never right. asked me. And if he did, right. we might have. Truthfully, I'm very opinionated and very judgmental internally, and that would be a whole different Christopher. But if I live out the kind of life that I need to live, it changes the world around me. And that's why I'm invited, I mean, into worlds, a people's world that normally would say they're not religious or they're not this. And I tell them, well, I'm not very religious either. And they're like, what? And I'm well. I live for the Lord, and that's a lifestyle. It's not about all the religiosity that you want to create. This is about living for something bigger and grander than ourselves, and that's Jesus of the Bible. So, so that's kind of so the practical of living has nothing to do with a title. If you have a title, it's sometimes you say you know you have to figure out how to wear with the clothes you put on in a sense, and that's what that's what different jobs and things do. But I think God will trust you in those things if you're able to live them out. But you should be able to live them with or without a title. Right. Right. I, I feel like what I'm hearing you say is that your your identity is Christ and you walk that way and you have um, – you're conscious about keeping the same um, view of people as God has. And uh, that's, that's when that's – really the goal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have people and come and say you, things like – like they'll be talking to me and they'll say things like, but as soon as they get upset about something, especially Christians do this, but even other people, they say, well, it's political. And I'm all, whoa, 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 whoa. That's your scapegoat to say you don't want to talk anymore. And that's okay. I'm not here to force you. But if we could just start by conversation by saying, I value that is a, that is someone that Jesus died for and we value them. Now we can talk about anything. I can talk about anything. It doesn't, but right. if we forget that God, died for them just like he died for me and that they're valuable, then all of a sudden it can be political and we can make decisions we should never make because we have now made it like we've taken their humanity away of who paid his his life for that person. They are so valuable. And so even when they're sitting there looking at me and mad at me and disagree with me, they don't realize I'm looking at them inside even if I don't get to show it on my face because they'll get mad if I smile. So I can't just smile at them, but I want to. Because I just see the Lord loves them, and, I, and he's – whatever reason, he's put me in your life, and so now I'm going to hug you. It's like I like to call it like Elf when you hug the raccoon on, on the movie Elf. That's sometimes what I want to do with people because I'm just like, right. you know, I know you're angry. I know you're angry right now, but I, I'm not angry at you. We don't agree with what's going on here, but 
if you could just see what I see and, and understand that there's there's some so much more for you, and that's that's how um, that's how we offer it. Truthfully, if, if you really want to, and I'll just because you know me, I just like to say certain things, but I'll just be. I get more frustrated with Christians than I do non-Christians in my life. Non-Christians, mm-hmm. I understand why they act they do, the way they do. They don't have Christ in their life. So why, why would I expect right. them to have the same morals or standards I do? I get more frustrated with people who say they're Christians who do not live out a Christian life because now I'm defending their actions because they say they're part of my team or I say I'm part of their team. So I, I actually right. have so I sit with, I sit with some Christians and say, can can you just shh, if you're not going to live it because <laughs> it it actually confuses things. I I clean up more messes for that. You know the world. Yeah. Jesus made the world very clear. It's going to hate us. It's going to have problems. It's going to fall apart. You know we we know that. We should not be surprised by it. This is not heaven, and we're here to walk out this this obstacle course. Yeah, yeah, I I would agree. Um, and, and I can totally understand that um, that perspective of feeling like you're kind of put in a corner because um, someone is saying that they're a Christian, but their behavior is not necessarily reflective of what Christ is calling them to. Even if they're standing up for the right thing, um, sometimes yeah. their behavior can be a real problem, a, a, a real problem. That would be exactly what I would send to people if they would – they're listening just to say you, you're, it's not that you're wrong, you know, but if you, if, if you have to be so passionately defensive about it, then like for me, when I know I'm right, I, I don't get angry about it. Like if I saw, if I, if I just watched somebody walk in and tripped and some, and I, I was an eyewitness to it. And then somebody came and said, what'd you see? And I told them and they told me something different. I'd say, well, you're wrong. I know what I saw, but I wouldn't get mad at them. I just say, I'm confident. I know what I know. I, I don't need that. But when, when we as Christians treat people in a manner that Jesus wouldn't, it, it just makes me wonder how do we really believe what we believe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's, it, that's it, almost it, a bigger question. Right. It, it's, it's almost as if I think a lot of times we forget that um, the other side of things, there's a human attached to that. Um, there, yeah. There's a person attached to that. There's an image bearer of God that's attached to that. And, and so we may not agree with a plethora of different um, political views, lifestyles, um, situations, um, but that there's treasure involved, and that treasure is the soul of a human being. Um, and, and there's a war being waged against that, that human. Um, you know, and, and that's really the most important part. Well, you know who I've disagreed with more than anybody in this whole world is this woman named Melissa. She's my wife, <laughs> and I love her. <laughs> it, I only say that you, you, I know you, you know I love my wife dearly. We've been married thirty years, but there's no one else that I've ever disagreed with more. And then, secondly, and probably my son Noah. So, <laughs> and I love him. Right. I'm just saying is that. Is that you know we we we're kind of in a world where we're, we're kind of always ready to fight somebody right now. I just watch this all over the place, and I just say it's not mm-hmm. Christ-like. Now, now, don't get me wrong. Ephesians six, I love Ephesians six. We are to stand firm. Like I, I'd like to believe if there's I, hopefully that I 
I am like a tree planted that does not move. And you've known me a long time, and I like to believe that I've been that example of something that's just as consistent. And don't be wrong, it's not easy to do. There's things that make me want to jump out of my skin and go take care of it. But that constant coming back is really the answer. And and just because something makes you upset doesn't mean it's got doesn't mean God wants you to go scream at somebody. You, you got to come back mm-hmm. and remember, submission, that humility is really like a dam that is really holding back that water. Power will be released when God says so, not when we get upset. Right, 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 right. So it's it's a matter of finding ways to to remember what's at the center of everything. And mm-hmm. um, allowing God to be God and us to be us, where we're, you know, it, it's it, it really is that whole ambassador situation. We're not we're not the president; we're the ambassador. Um, we don't we don't get to um, unleash the wrath of the military. We only represent what they're saying, and and we do that in the most diplomatic, calm, and loving manner as possible. Um, so. So do you suggest that as um, those of us who are just trying to figure out how we operate in the world that is pretty antithetical right now to Christian belief, um, how, how are we supposed to conduct ourselves? Um, obviously, we're listening to the Holy Spirit. Uh, how, how do we utilize our words effectively? Um, and, and is the goal... This is another question, too, because I'm sure the reason why you're hearing from Christians when you make certain decisions is um, because sometimes the goal is for our society to be more honoring of God and protective of those people who can't protect themselves. And then other times it is to allow um, freedom and for people to be the humans that they are so that they can fall away from God just enough to be able to find him. You know, um, so, I, so. I, I think I think we're all built a little differently because I because I get to deal with get to walk with people of all different backgrounds and passions. And some of them I share, some of them I don't see the passion in it. And 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with being passionate. And that's one thing that I think because sometimes there's people who come and say, "Well, you're just you're just too nice. You're a good pastor, but I don't know if you're." You know, I've had people even say, well, "I don't know. You, you don't seem like you're ready to fight." You know, the truth is I may not be ready to punch somebody, but you're not getting by me. What I'm talking about is not weakness, and that's the one thing that's important. So humility is Jesus was humble, and I don't think anybody would call him weak. And so he he only did what he saw the Father do. Now, with that said, that does mean, though, if the real practical part of this is I just say, if if you're upset, that's the wrong time to make a decision. So step back for a minute because now you're not listening to anybody but your own emotions. And then secondly, mm-hmm. just ask the Lord, is this represent you? If if he says yes, do it. You'll you'll find you'll 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 learn the lessons you need to. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Even if you don't agree even if it doesn't sound like something I would say or how I act, that's fine. But I do think stopping to say does this is is this represent do I sound like the Lord? Does, am I valuing the people that God died for right now? Now, I'm wrong. I get causes because someone would say, well, this cause is bigger than that. Um, I would beg to differ that Jesus wouldn't agree with that, <laughs> that the cause that he died for was bigger than any cause we have. Because here's part of the problem. Right. I think sometimes we're trying to make earth heaven. This is never going to be heaven. Right. This is not. It's never going to be fair. Matter of fact, 
the Bible's not really about fair anyway. That's one of the weird things that Christians try to get into is making everything fair. If you want to make it fair, then go with me over into Uganda where there's kids that are smelling rags and have no home and let's all live like that because that's fair. It's not fair that they have to live like that and maybe live to 12-year-old or 13-year-old and die. That's not fair. Right. And, but we, li- we live our life every day not doing anything about that. Now, some of us try, but still it's very hard to do anything. I mean, I can tell you names of people I've met around the world that fair is not really the equation, but trusting God that he has the bigger plan is something I do. I don't believe God doesn't have to answer to me. I answer to him. And so right. when it comes to things in our country, I don't know that our country will be here in years and years to come. Who knows? I know I'm going to do everything I can to continue to fight for the freedoms we have. I love them. I'm going to continue to make right decisions and value people, but it can't be at the stake of me giving away my Christianity. Right, right. And I, I think that that's um, really what we need to hear, honestly. Like, it, it is a matter of um, learning to balance that. I have, um, I think I probably have time for, like, one more question. I don't want to take too much of your time. Um, so, so just one last question, if I could. Um, I'm going to mm-hmm. assume in your position that you get an awful lot of criticism usually well-meaning criticism and usually people trying to correct you um, and, and, and bring you back to what they would consider something, you know, I don't know, um, a more righteous or more godly way of doing whatever you're doing. Um, how, how do you deal with that criticism? Because if we as Christians are operating um, both, both unwaveringly and also lovingly, criticism is going to come our way. Yeah, crit- criticism – I actually, I appreciate criticism, I, and I say this. It sounds weird. I, I call it conflict, so I'm going to use a different word. Criticism always has a dirt to it. For me, conflict's neutral. The conflict's not a bad thing. Conflict actually is a healthy thing. Matter of fact, I, you know, I do a lot of marriage counseling. If people aren't having conflict yeah. in their marriage, I'd say they're unhealthy. Having conflict makes you healthy, and I know that's a whole other show you could do. I just said a big zinger, <laughs> yeah. but ha- having conflict means you're talking. And it's actually neutral, so what you do with it matters. So I'm going to say when somebody comes and brings their concerns and they might think differently, I listen because I, I'm not saying I'm right. I, I'm just doing my best to hear the Lord and live it out. And I've learned from many people, and I've learned from people who have held me accountable that I've said something that I'm like, you know what, I apologize. I see the error of what I said because I'm human and I make mistakes. However, I can tell you, uh, when you live by principles that are at the core of who you are, and that's what I try to focus on, it really protects because even Christians who want to sit down and try to tell me how to act, we just go back to Scripture because that's where my core is. And I said, show me, how, show me, show me where are you acting like an American Christian or a biblical Christian? And you show mm. me, and if you can show me where this is accurate, then I, I then I, I you know, I, I want to learn. But if you are acting because you're, cause you're in a society that has told you this is how you're supposed to act instead of spending time with the Lord, how you're supposed to act, then, you know, it's, you know, I mean, and you've heard this from me before, but the Bible is called the canon. It means, it means a ruler. It's what we line up to. But many Christians in the United States line up to other people thinking I'm either better or worse than them. But we're not supposed to do that. We line up to the scripture and that is our litmus test, which means we all fallen short and we know we're sinners 
because scripture lines us up. I'm not does that have to do with me being better than the guy next to me or more crooked or straight? It has me based align scripture. It's very difficult to line up there. I just I'm, I'm unholy. I'm Christopher, and so when I live this out, it starts looking different. So so truthfully, especially with a Christian, I just pull the Bible and principles and say, let's talk. You know, I I'm I'm, I'm and I'm way open to talk. I'm not loaded to prove me prove them right or wrong. I'm just here to share yeah. what I think I see. And usually that goes either they don't want to do that. Usually they don't want to talk to me like that because they just want to say what they want to say. And that's fine. At that point, I know we're kind of wasting each other's time. But the ones who want to, we learn together. Now, when it comes to non-Christians who all I do is I say, well, this is, you know, when you elected me, I, I told you who I'm going to be. I, I, I'm going to line myself up to these morals. You can hold me accountable to that, but if you're asking me to be something I'm not, I told you when I ran for office or when I became your pastor or your friend or your husband or your whatever, this is who I'm going to be. So hold me accountable to what I said. I'm not going to change just because culture all of a sudden says I need to treat people a certain way. Right, right. I think that that's great. Um, and, and I really appreciate that word because, um, you know, doing what I do, of course, I'm going to fall under some criticism, too. So that's encouraging for me to be yeah, able to. Yeah, you know, Facebook. Everywhere, <laughs> everywhere, mm-hmm. everywhere. So, um, so it's, it's a good word for us. Um, and uh, right here we've got, we've had you for 30 minutes. I don't want to hold you for too much more of your time. Uh, was there anything else that you wanted to say before we were all done? Well, it is always good talking with you, Felicia. It's good to I, I, I do I do stalk you on Facebook and your husband and watch your kiddos. You know I love you guys, and uh, um, but I I thank you for asking the questions you are. And I I said I I would encourage anybody you know if you want to live a rebellious incredible life against I mean that's really what people are looking for. They want to look for purpose and looking. Some of them want to be a rebel. Try living for Jesus. It is the most amazing. <laughs> I mean, I do make people very angry sometimes, but I'm not angry with them, so it doesn't last very long. Like, I I actually do care for them, but I am not going to acquiesce to their conversation, and um, I've proven that over and over, and and, and it sounds weird, but it's usually Christians are the ones that don't get it the most. It's not Mm non-Christians. Non-Christians actually respect what I stand for a lot easier than Christians do sometimes because they... They want to act in a manner that I, I don't see as a scriptural context. So. Yeah, I love it. I think that that's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. And um, we're at that time. We'll cut to commercial break. And um, Pastor, I'll give you a proper thank you later. Um, and, okay, and we miss you. you. So, uh, but well, have I'm a great in town, day. Okay. Know, know that I'm around you. Uh-huh. I'm in town. I'll be here for a couple of days. Take care. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, Freedomist Proof here. Just want to let everybody know that I have a trusted source for EMF protection. So you can block out this 5G possibly from your cell phone or any other electronic devices. Go to groundwithgia.com and please check out the selection of products that you might need to help filter out all this electronic garbage that's going to get into your house and to your life. 
So most of us have cell phones except for me. You're going to want to protect yourself. We all have Wi-Fi, and you definitely want to do something about this. Please check it out, groundwithgia.com. That's groundwithgia.com. Have you looked at the price of Bitcoin lately? Cryptocurrencies are the hottest financial investment right now. Well, what if you can get free Bitcoin fractions by having an app on your phone or PC? Introducing Lolly, a website that rewards you with free Bitcoin pieces with your online purchases. You purchase from one of thousands of companies like Chewy, Old Navy, Groupon, and others. You get a percent of your purchase back in Bitcoin. Use my link on freedomizerradio.live or find me on Facebook for your special link to get started. Lolly, earn free Bitcoin while you shop. We all know that times are tough and things are really expensive right now. So why not save a little bit of your wallet as well as the landfill? Marty.com carries high quality products at low, low prices sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal or overstocked or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com on our comments, you'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. All right, guys. Well, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. We're back. We're back. If you missed it, we just had this amazing interview with um, my – right. <laughs> Crossroads calls him Pastor Iron Man because um, he, like Tony Stark. he thinks he thinks Christopher Dare looks an awful lot like Tony Stark. So, um, so anyway, he calls him Pastor Iron Man. That's that's um, Pastor Chris who uh, actually performed your dad and and I's wedding. Oh, I yeah, I don't know if you knew that, but um, and he is now also serving the city of Sparks as councilman. Um, and, and an incredible individual who I really do believe exemplifies Christ. And I thought that um, his testimony about um, his faith and how he's transitioned from ministry into politics, I think, um, actually has a lot to do with what we're talking about today. So today we're really talking about how does the Bible say I'm supposed to act in this climate that is, is not necessarily super Christian friendly. Like we're not going to say that we're we're broadly persecuted here, um, but but um, what we will say is that this church in Rome is really starting to prepare for the great persecution 
Um, now, uh, for those of you who aren't super familiar with church history, the Great Persecution is this um, era where um, Emperor Nero gains control, and, and after being in office for 10 or 12 years, um, literally starts to uh, develop a hatred towards Christians. Um, he burns a quarter of Rome, and he blames the Christians for it uh, to turn public uh, public discourse and public opinion against the Christians. And Christians kind of become public enemy number one. They get driven out of um, all sorts of parts of the city. And so this letter goes out about four to six years before that happens. So we're not necessarily talking about um, this crazy persecuted church yet, but it's getting there. Paul's trying to give them sage advice on how to, um, how to navigate their situation with, with, with uh, the tide turning against them, okay? And I, and I do feel like uh, if, if we're not in that same situation, I think that most Christians in the United States probably feel that way. Um, you know, we, we do feel like the, the culture is definitely different from ours. Um, so let's talk about um, this a little bit. The, the people in Rome here, they're entrenched in this culture that's engrossed in chasing earthly pleasure, and the Christians in Rome still have to pay taxes, be respectful, and even submit to authorities. Um, now, God does not always let the godly people have power. And I think we really have to think about this because elections happen in the United States, and we participate in them. Right. And we don't always get the people in office that we want there. Right. Like, it's not like, it's not like you vote for a person and you're like, then this person's going to get uh, in office because I voted for them. Right. And by the way, there's no person on earth who's our savior. That was Jesus. And that's done. And um, <laughs> we walk in that freedom spiritually, right? But that's not the same um, as our government authorities. So I think that one of the things that we tend to think as Americans, this is a cultural thing, I think, because we're so ensconced in that whole idea of um, freedom and my ability to do what I want to, we often don't think about how the Bible is writing to these situations where um, Christians are subject, they're called to be um, subjugated well under circumstances where they are not under godly leadership. God's put them in that position. He says so, right? Paul says so. God's put them in this position, but that doesn't mean they're a godly leader or even a good one. Okay, so um, let's see here. Uh, there, are, there are countless times in the Bible where God allows ungodly people to rule over Israel, and some are even really hostile um, foreigners. Some of them are not even like ungodly Israelites, but people who um, are foreign to the Israel, Israelite way of doing things, and they don't even really understand, nor do they care. Let's check out Jeremiah 29, uh, verses 4 through 11. Now, Jeremiah 29, 11 is one of my personal favorite verses, and it's often quoted. Do you know what that verse says offhand? I don't. If I start saying it, 
You're going to know. I can probably finish it. Ready? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Before plans to prosper you and not, not to harm, harm you. Before you were in the womb, I oh, knew no. you. Plans to give you a hope in the future. Yeah, you swap to another one, but that was a, that's another good one, too. Okay? But we very rarely read what comes before that verse, okay? So Jeremiah is speaking into this um, Babylonian captivity that we had briefly mentioned before, where Daniel and a bunch of the other um, young people are brought to... It's before Babylonian captivity. Um, this one, I think, is actually during it. What? Yes. Um, so, um, there, hold on, let me see if I can grab the contest. Sent to Babylon, to Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon. Yes. Um, so yes, they're already in Babylon at this point. Okay. And, um, the question amongst the people is, um, we've been captured, we're in Babylon, um, are we supposed to upright, right? Because this, is, because this is what you would normally think, right? If we were captured, we would expect to be able to uprise this. But this isn't the instruction that God gives them, okay? So let's hear this famous verse in context and, and give it a little bit of peace. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles who I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So they're currently in exile. They've been carried away from their country as basically slaves, okay? Um, build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and sons and have sons and daughters. Take wives for your sons and give your daughters into marriage that they may bear sons and daughters and multiply there and do not decrease. Uh, that sounds like we're going to be there for a while, doesn't it? Okay. Um, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, do not, hold on, do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you and do not listen to the dreams that they have dreamed. For it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you. And I will fulfill, you, fulfill to you my promise and bring you back from this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. So that's bad news, okay? I think that we often think of this part of Scripture as God's just basic encouragement. This is all great. No. But, that, yeah, that didn't sound like good news to me. Did it sound like good news to you there, bro? No, sounded like kind of the opposite. Yeah, pretty bad news. We're going to be here for 70 years. <laughs> And we're supposed to build a life and seek the welfare of the city. Um, and and uh, so, I mean, that's just to kind of evidence that God still expects this sort of submission when we're dealing with ungodly rulers and unfair situations. <laughs> um, 
And so that doesn't mean like in a government situation like we have, of course we're supposed to continue to stand up for for Jesus and for God and for truth, but to simply know that um, that he's aware of our situations and still expects us to act well. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, so on top of that, we've got a couple of other biblical examples. Let's consider some stories. Oh, we don't have to read these completely, but you might be familiar with uh, the book of Daniel. Yeah. Okay, and and Daniel is part of this exile to Babylon to these very ungodly rulers. Um, can we consider that you know his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were thrown into a fiery furnace? How did that happen? Um, Do you remember what what they what had happened? I mean, I have the story right here. Yeah, but we don't have time to read the whole story. Yeah. So uh, basically, they were. Uh, the king made a statue made of gold, and he said, worship it. Right, so that did. would be idolatry. Yeah. Okay. And then, uh, fun fact, when he uh, made the furnace seven times hotter, the men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in, it was so hot that it killed the men who threw them in, too. Right, but but it didn't do anything to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And it says that the clothes didn't even smell like smoke. Right, and the angel of the Lord came and joined them and protected them. So, um, so, so this is an example here of um, young men who are um, broadly submitted to the government, but when it counts, when, when the government has asked them to do something ungodly, ungodly that's going to be contrary to their ability to worship the Lord, they make a stand. And um, they make that stand extremely respectfully, um, but one of my favorite lines in the Bible uh, comes from this story, okay? And I believe I have it. Was in... it the one that says, um, "We will not bow <laughs> down to your statue if you throw us in the fire. If you throw us in the fire, our God will rescue us. But even if He doesn't, we will we never bow down to your statue." Yeah, and there was there was a very realistic understanding on the part of, of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And guys, can we just admire how well I know my mom that I knew that that was her favorite verse? Well, it's not, not necessarily my favorite, but one of my probably top 20. Um, like, really love that because I'm like, yes! Um, because what they have done is rightly discern um, how we're supposed to serve God in these crazy situations. And that is, first we submit fully to God, and then with all respect, submit to authorities and hold peace as much as we can. Um, but first we submit to God. Now, um, of course, in, in a situation, they, they were in a little bit of a different political situation, right? They're underneath a king who ha- holds all authority. We're in this representative republic, which allows us opportunity to be able to share our perspectives, our opinions, um, what God says about situations. And so that doesn't mean that we have to say we have the ability to lobby and to protest and even to serve within our government system. Um, Political freedom of speech is a thing here, and we should use that in all love and respect that we're supposed to pay, according to this verse in Romans, to everyone around us, always keeping in mind that every person that we see is an image bearer of God. That's a difficult task, because we yeah. just heard from Pastor Pastor Chris. See, there I go again, calling him Pastor Chris. He'll always be my Pastor Chris. But 
Um, but be my pastor. He will. He will. He'll always be your pastor, Iron Man. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so what else happens in Daniel that's kind of a big conflict? It's kind of a big deal. Uh, Daniel Lions Den. Yeah, Daniel gets thrown in the Lions Den. Now, um, the context of this, also this really crazy political situation where, and, and it's crazy because Daniel, um, he has a very special relationship with the king. Like, you know, they're like bros. I don't know what to say. Like, the king and Daniel in this situation, because Daniel serves under three kings, Okay. Yeah, and, he, he lives for quite a long time. He does. He lives for a long time. Well, and, and kings don't live as long as most people do. They get assassinated and stuff, okay? Yeah. And, and God just took one of them out, right? Um, so that whole writing on the wall thing. Yeah, immediately just. just he was like, yeah, no, you're you're not going to. But but that does, again, emphasize the fact that that God absolutely allowed the other two kings to rule for a while, right? Right. Okay, so, so Darius. Darius, Darius, is the king of Persia. At, of Persia, and Daniel is like his best bro. Like, I don't know any other way to say it. The king loves Daniel, and Daniel loves the king and is committed to his success. Like, he, like the king is torn apart when this happens, but it happens to be the law of the land that once he passes a law, even if it's a bad one, he can't undo it. And so he has to throw his best buddy into the lion's den. But why? Well, because he passes an edict that for 30 days, no one is allowed to bow down or worship anyone but the king, but the king, which would be idolatry. So Israelites are not bowing down and worship. They're, they're probably bowing down out of respect, but certainly not worshiping the king, right, as if he was God. Well, he said you can, you can do it in public. You can, like. No, no, you can do it at all. Well, you couldn't do it at all, and I'm going I'm to tell you why, okay, why this is an important detail. Um, the Israelites are bowing down and worshiping God, right? And um, it's Daniel's custom that around noontime, you know, lunchtime, he gets his lunch break from work, right? He goes to his own house, and he bows down, and he faces Israel towards where the temple was. And he bows down and he prays to God. And he always does it with the window open. Okay, well, Daniel still does it with the window open. He doesn't care. (laughs) He does what God called him to do regardless of the edict. And, of course, because the window is open, he is found out. And the other magistrates turn him in. And once King Darius understands what has happened – and how he's been fooled, he actually looks for a way to be able to let Daniel off. Um, he doesn't want to throw him into the lion's den, but justice is served. Daniel gets thrown into the lion's den, and, of course, he survives miraculously by God's hand. Okay? Crazy, awesome story. Amazing situation. Um, so you also have to kind of consider the ungodly um, government in the book of Esther. And Esther's honestly a really messy book where really no one's following God's laws or edicts, and, and yet um, God still uses those situations. In none of these instances does God call his people into rebellion against their government. Um, there are, however, limits to the submission that God's people are called to, 
And when the people of God do what is right, stand their ground, um, God shows up in powerful ways when the wrath of the authority comes their way. There are always layers of authority and submission, and ultimately we're called to submit first to God wholly, and only after that should we be submitted to other authorities. In this republic like our own, this means standing up for what's right, submitting when our, submitting when our conscience before God will not be violated, and working towards the success of our country as a whole, but also not standing silent, but allowing our political speech to be salted with the word of God and with love and compassion, okay? So we still say what's right as lovingly and gently as possible, right. um, but firmly, okay? That's a really hard balance, right? Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about uh, something that I think is important, and that's the corrupting power of persecution, okay? And, and we're not in a full persecution here in the United States by any stretch of the imagination, but... Um, certainly we can feel um, political winds shifting, and, and sometimes things can be difficult. Uh, sometimes persecution can embitter the hearts of believers against their enemies. And I don't think that it's a coincidence that this section of Scripture is immediately following Paul's encouragement to show love to our enemies. When we feel disenfranchised, it can be easy to blame believer, unbelievers and to become hateful towards them. God wants our goodness before those who persecute us to be a living testimony to the glory of God. So here's what we know from these verses um, and biblical examples about how we should be honoring authorities in the midst of persecution. Now, um, this is when we want to look up that verse, um, Daniel 3.18. Our victory is in heaven, and sometimes, our victories on earth. Sometimes God rescues us from our circumstances and sometimes on earth and sometimes uh, our circumstances on earth only improve when we're called to heaven. Um, so the example of it only improving when it called to heaven, again, we can't ignore the fact that, that we're about to, in this um, letter, we're about to move into that great persecution of Rome and the martyrdom of Stephen and how that ignites this broad persecution, right? <laughs> um, so we're to have that same attitude that Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego have. And what was that? Um, it this says... Daniel 3.18, right? 3.18, yep. But even if he does not... <clears throat> oh, let's start from 17. If you're thrown into the blazing first, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hands. But even if he does not, we want you to know, Your Majesty, we will not serve your God or the God or the or worship the image of gold you have set up. And and, and that's kind of got to be our attitude: is firmness. We we submit where we can, and, and where it's unconscionable, then then we have to give our reason. Um, God, that's that's number one. Um, number two is that God makes persecution serve His greater mission. Um, so here, let's check out uh, the book of Romans again, but this time we're going to flip back to chapter 8. We've already gone over this, but let's just make mention of it again. Um, chapter 8, verse 28, because I almost got it. Uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Um, the great persecution 
uh, was a terrible, terrible time in the lives of Christians, and many Christians lost their lives in that persecution. Um, However, it was solely responsible for the widespread establishment of the Christian church. And so even though it was truly a a unparalleled terrible time, um, it it actually was uh, good for the kingdom. Um, We see the spread of Christianity, and um, I think that most of us don't go and spread the word far and wide if we're comfortable at home. So um, number three, adversaries can become our advocates. Uh, remember Saul, who later becomes Paul? Yep. Yeah. Um, that probably, that, I mean, it, it would have, y'all, it would have happened anyway because, like, Jesus talked to him. Like, for those of you, <laughs> for those of you who know, like, you can have a thousand testimonies about Scripture, but if Jesus talks to you, like, all bets are off. I don't have to understand anything. Jesus just talked to me, okay? But, um you know, but it would have been really hard if the, the church had not um, been open to his conversion, right? That would have been difficult. Um, so keep praying for your adversaries. God is still moving today. Um, and then we have one more scripture coming up. Uh, we honor God through our submission and obedience first to him and then recognizing that he's placed authorities in their position, So let's just really quick, one more scripture, then we'll cut to commercial break and we'll answer some questions. John 19, 11. I'm trying to grab it real quick. Um, And in this verse, Jesus answered him, you would have, and this this is Jesus talking to Pilate. Okay. Nice. Yeah, Jesus talking to Pilate. Pilate's about to take him out. Right, and, 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 and Pilate is basically saying to him, in a nutshell, this is, this is my sum up, why aren't you telling me what I want to hear, right? Why aren't you just saying what I want to hear? Don't you understand? I can kill you. And Jesus says, you would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given to you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Okay, so Jesus himself is saying that the the authority that Pilate has to kill him is there because the Father gave it to him. And that's the end of our Bible study today, um, as disjointed as it was because of the way that things work. But let's go ahead and cut to commercial break, and then we will have a couple minutes of Q&A. We all know that times are tough, and things are really expensive right now, so why not save a little bit of your wallet, as well as the landfill. Marty.com carries high-quality products at low, low prices, sometimes up to 70% off of retail. I just got a wonderful package of beef jerky for one cent sent to my house through Marty.com. Marty.com offers high-quality products at discount prices. Why? Well, sometimes products are seasonal, or overstocked, or packaging just changes. It's still great quality food, but it's going to end up in the landfill if we don't find some way to distribute it. And leave that to Marty.com. Now, if you want to save a little extra today, you can get $20 off your first order by going to our Facebook group for Dynamic Word Bible Studies and picking up a discount code there. So check out Dynamic Word Bible Studies at Facebook and find Marty.com 
on our comments. You'll be able to get this free discount code. It's going to give you $20 off, and it's also a great way to support our show and to keep those landfills light and to save some money in your wallet. And I'm all about saving money. So check out Marty.com. Earthing, also known as grounding, is the act of touching our body's skin directly to the earth, just like our ancestors did as they slept, sat, and walked on the ground nearly every day of their lives. This simple connection allows Earth's natural negative electrons to enter the human body, pacifying dangerous free radicals, which, if left unchecked, can cause severe damage to cells that can lead to many chronic diseases. Ground Therapy's patented process and suite of products were designed for you to experience all the benefits of grounding in your busy and modern lifestyle and you'll experience the benefits of grounding within the safety and comfort of your home or office throughout the entire day, just as if you were touching the earth itself. The information is provided for general informational purposes only. The contents are not intended or implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Ground Therapy Incorporated makes no representations about the efficiency, appropriateness, or suitability of any specific tests, procedures, treatments, services, opinions, healthcare providers, or other information that may be contained in or available through the information provided. Freaks, outsiders, weirdos, the wallflowers, oddball loser, fish out of water, speak up, talk quieter. We are different. There's no arguing. It's a fact. A patchwork of flaws, we grow and adapt. We're funky, unconventional, see life through kaleidoscope eyes. In a field full of clovers, with our four leaves, we bask in blue skies. Flaws are natural. Our imperfections, our weaknesses, our scars. There is a misfit in all of us. We just have to be brave enough to embrace who we are. All right, guys, welcome back to Dynamic Word Bible Studies. Uh, this is your host, Felicia, my amazing co-host, Cross. Cross, and we've got our sidekick, Hongo. Pongo here. Um, we were joined. <laughs> we were joined uh, earlier today by uh, Spark City Councilman uh, and and my former pastor, uh, Pastor, pastor Chris, Iron Man. Chris Dare. <laughs> Cross calls him Pastor Iron Man. Um, and so, uh, anyway, we're we're here ready to do the Q and A for that Bible study. If you want to give us a call, um, our guest calling is three one nine five two seven six two zero eight. That's 319-527-6208. Of course, we do have the chat room open. Um, so if you'd like to join us through the chat room, that is fine. Let's start with our first question here. Um, our first question is, what are some of the ways that persecution or even perceived persecution, because I think that a lot of people in America, we're, we're not dying for our faith, right? But we can. Most of the time. But sometimes we feel a little rejected. We have perceived persecution here. Um, how can that affect the heart of the believer? Why is that a problem? What do you think? I think you should answer that question. You think I should answer that question? Okay. So, um, so, so there's this whole section of scripture where it starts talking about praying for your enemies and wanting good for them and doing good for them. Man, that's the hard part. Okay. Like, <laughs> look, I can pray for my enemies, and I can even be like, yeah, I want them to be blessed. To, I want them to go to heaven, you know. But but um, Paul actually calls us to 
do good things for them, to feed them and to clothe them and to meet their needs. That's tough when you're talking about somebody who has just told you that because you're you're a Christian, you're you're no good, things that you believe are, are crazy and and that you're hateful or a bigot of some sort. Like and this is the kind of language that we receive a lot of times. Um what when we're saying what, what we believe is true, um, hopefully we're saying it with gentleness and love and care. That doesn't always happen, right? And so, um, no, that always happens because we all have the perfect lives because we're Christians. Right, right, right. So, so sometimes I'm tripping over my own mistakes. Sometimes I'm tripping over um, the the mistakes and the callousness of others. And just over time, um, people have developed a certain amount of um, uh, of prejudice. We'll even call it prejudice towards Christians because of their past interactions with other Christians who are maybe not so nice, right? Um, or people who claim to be Christians, maybe they were not, right? Um, how can this affect... The skin Christians. Right, 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 right. Maybe, you know, I maybe I believe in, in the, the law, but I'm not practicing the truth of relationship with Christ. Like, okay. that's, that's really what we're talking about here, right? Um, man, uh, this can be really hard on my heart. Um, this is um, a difficult road to navigate because I both need to honor God with my actions, but I am a human, and, and my feelings get hurt. Um, I don't care who you are. If you're getting called out, especially by someone you know and care about, um, it, it can be really hurtful and difficult, right? So so I'm going to have to uh, be able to find a way to navigate that without being personally offended. Um, and, and to still be able to project the love of Christ for them. Um, that's part of the reason why I was so happy that, uh, that, that Councilman there was able to join us today because I really feel like he has that heart example um, of being able to say, no, no, that's not right, you know, but, but developing relationship and caring for people um, who maybe can be pretty hard to care for. Maybe they don't share his political perspectives, his moral or ethical perspectives, and they may not always be kind about it, right? But because he maintains relationship and cares about people and sees them through the scope of what God sees them, uh, he's able to do that. And I think that that's really what we're called to do. Um, what do you think about that? Can it be can it be really hard when people are unkind to you um, yes. to, to do good for them, right? Yes. Um, how does that affect your heart over time? Yep. 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 Does it make your heart hard towards them? Yep. Again, even like, and I'm like really trying to walk this, but I've had some people hurt me pretty bad over time. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, yeah, I can totally bro down with the whole like, you know, I'm supposed to pray for them. I'm supposed to wish them well. But you're also saying I'm supposed to do nice things for them like that. Yep. That's rough, but I'm going to tell you if it's somebody who hasn't who who hasn't done something to hurt me or or um, can you even imagine in the context of persecution where you know it's maybe your next door neighbor that turns you into the authorities for something and then you still have to show up to the to the neighborhood uh, block party and and bring them food that's not laced with something awful, you know, <laughs> not trying to poison them but you're just trying to bless them. Um, 
but but this is what allows people to get that reputation that Pastor Chris is talking about. Um, so how are we called to respond to those who disagree with our worldview but are an authority over us? Um, so they disagree with us, but they're an authority over us. I mean, we have plenty of people around like that, right? Yeah, no, no, no. We're we're called to be what? Not dead. Not, we're 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 trying not to get killed, right? Okay. Well, that's not really a thing here. Um, although there are plenty of of Christians who face that kind of very real persecution, um, we're not amongst them. Um, so how are we called Thanks to respond? Really. Yes, yeah, yeah. Praise God, you know, and that may or may not always be the case, but um, so. How are we supposed to respond? Well, first, we're supposed to be submitted 100% in every way it can be to yep. God, right? Yep. And then after that, as long as it's not going to violate our conscience, we would submit then to the authority, mm-hmm. right? Um, now, of course, again, being in this wonderful representative republic that we are, we have the ability to do all sorts of other things that would not have been available to the Church of Rome. Um, We can go to the authorities um, and we can protest. We have the ability to lobby. We have the ability to explain our positions to other people um, and, and hopefully win them over that way, right? Um, we have the ability to um, peacefully protest. In other words, sometimes we just resist, and that's okay. You know what I mean? Um, these were not things that were available to them at that time. So as long as we're not, um, you know, in violation of the law or in violation of God. And, and that can be a, a interesting balance to keep there, right? Um so again, remember this is this is a little bit different from me uh, creating laws to try to keep other people in order. That's that's a whole different discussion. But as a citizen, uh, I first submit to God, and then as long as it's not a violation of my conscience before God, I submit to the authority. Um, and then obviously, using all legal means possible, I can um, make God's opinion. And, and, and hopefully my opinion that lines up with God's opinion, no. Um, so uh, what should we do if a law or a cultural norm is contradictory to our call to obey God? So like what we just talked about. Yeah, what do we do? How, how do we respond when? So usually, usually most laws are a pain in the butt. You get thrown into the fire but, for this. Okay, well, well, nobody's got a fiery furnace up, up here in uh, in the United States. But if, if we mean, run into a law that contradicts God's law, God's God's call for us to obey him. Actually, fun fact, the uh, United States does have one fiery furnace. Really? Yeah, it's called Las Vegas. <laughs> nice. So maybe they'll just throw you into Vegas and be like, there, yeah, enjoy your throw, summer. Throw me outside for a week. Right. En- enjoy your summer. Get roasted. So uh, <laughs> we're from Las Vegas, for those of you who don't know. Um, so uh, when when there's a law or cultural norm that is contradictory to our call to obey God, um, we're, we're called to stand firm. We are called to not conform 
and um, instead to stand our ground uh, with all due respect and with all gentleness, if it's a cultural norm, um, we are called to stand our ground. And, and oftentimes God will call us to actually say something about it. Um, and so we're going to encourage our listeners then to rest in the Lord and to um, listen to his words. And he'll give you the words to say in, the, in that right time. Right? Um, I think we're going to end there because we were about 15 minutes behind and this is about that time. So I think we'll sign off. Did you have anything else you want to say today, buddy? Well, no, but Paula does. This is an interesting show, right? We had like a civics lesson and a Bible lesson all in one. Um, so I expect, oh, I'll probably get some hate mail for that. Yeah, probably. It'll be fun. We'll answer it together. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining us this week. Hope to see you next week. Do you believe I have another uh, special guest lined up for next week? And we're really excited about it. Um, and we're excited to get through Romans. We're maybe going to, maybe we'll wrap up 13 next week. Might take a couple more weeks, but there's only 16 chapters. So we're starting to roll to the end of this particular and series. Then we're going to start on John. The Gospel of John. And I just got all the resources. The books are all twice as thick. So as long as it took us to get through Romans. It took us almost a year to get through Romans. Uh, it, more than a year, I think. I think well, I, I, we'll still be doing No, did we start in September? End of September, but we'll still be in Romans, I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> and then we'll probably take a couple weeks off before we start our teachings in John. So uh, really excited to have been with you today. Thank you so much. You guys have a blessed week, and we'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Bye.